Hey, moms and daughters of the world. Word on the street is there's a new popular podcast in town, and the teen TV drama mamas, Angie and Dr. Nikki, have been spotted on many platforms. And I don't mean in Grand Central Station. They've been talking trash behind all of our favorite celebrities' backs and teaching them some important lessons. Join the mom and daughter party for mind-blowing insights into the psyche of those badly behaved teen characters we know and love. You'll discover a fresh new way to approach stressful problems so you can have more fun and connection than you ever dreamed possible. XOXO, love the teen TV drama mamas. Mwah! Hey, 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 Angie, you're in a car. I'm in a car. (laughs) We're making this work. Heading towards your daughter. What a good mommy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this this is how things go on a daily basis. But staying committed to that Gossip Girl podcast and the events of life happening at the same time. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm still in Alaska. I'm in Northwest Alaska in Nome. And now I have 21 hours of light. So, you know, I'm in the manic phase of my yearly cycle. So I'm awake forever. (laughs) That sounds pretty, pretty exciting. Um, All right. So let's, let's dive into Gossip Girl. We're now, we've watched a few episodes of season one. I was thinking about our podcast. I think you could listen even if you haven't watched Gossip Girl because the issues are sort of universal to teen television, teen movies, kind of friendship, betrayal, best friend sleeping with the best friend's boyfriend situation is not totally unique to Gossip Girl. What do you think? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I I think they're common, common problems kind of hyped up to an incredibly high level. You know, although mm-hmm. I think most people that I see, and I, I'm assuming that that the people listening are mostly moms and daughters, but I'm sure that there are a couple of sons going on there and maybe some dads. But um, but I feel like the, the themes kind of run through. You know, maybe they don't look quite as dramatic in some ways, but they probably feel quite as dramatic, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. The feelings are there. And I think these discussions, right, these ideas of what would you do in this situation, how how ridiculous is this reaction that we're seeing on TV? These are kind of great conversations just to have, um, no matter what, to have between parents and their children. And at any age, kind of, what do you think what do you think you would do in this situation if you had to face that or if your friend was facing this? So, so it's a fun conversation. So what did you, what did you think about episode two and three and these early episodes? Uh, You know, I, I thought it was very interesting, you know, again, there's such a strong conversation about class going on here. And so, you know, I'm thinking about episode three with Ivy week, you know, where everybody felt like their parent or at least the, the parents felt and maybe some of the kids felt like their parents did everything they could to get them this kind of life that they could have. And whether they wanted it or not, 
was completely different between the two of them. So yeah. you've got somebody like Dan Humphrey, who knows that his parents toiled through like a working class artist's life in order to get him the possibility of going to this private school and then, you know, to go to, to Dartmouth where he wanted to go. And he was fighting for that. And still towards the end of it, he didn't get the, the usher position because the guy whose father felt like he's, you know, fighting and working hard for him to get where he needs to go. Nate got that position. And I thought that was just so interesting where it, it just felt like, and again, you know, having more money seemed to be the better thing or the thing that got you wherever you wanted to go. But it definitely was not buying happiness, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and looking at that as from that, from the thoughts and feelings perspective, because Nikki, I know you and I talk to our clients a lot about how our thoughts can create our feelings and lead to feelings. And thinking of how Dan is working hard towards his goal. And he's thinking, you know, I have to work hard. I want to work hard. I want to go after this. And then he, his approach and dedication. And then it was the other, the wealthy I've been raised. I'm reluctant. This is my father's vision and not mine. What is his name? Um, That's Nate Archibald and his dad. I'm blanking on his dad's name, but he's Nate. an Archibald. Okay. <laughs> and then his reluctance to go, his thinking, this isn't what I want. This isn't the future that I want. And, you know, you kind of get stuck between going along with what your parents are guiding you to do. And it might conflict with what your passion and your drive is for. And then just navigating life between those two worlds. Your parents are depending on you for this or their expectations. And the different parents, I thought that was really interesting too, Nikki. One father is like, I see so much potential and drive and wisdom in you, son. So I wanna make sure you have the opportunity. And then the other father, has no interest in who his son is or what he wants. He's so just true. saying you have to check the box because this is important in life to go to this Ivy League school. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a plan for him. Like it's Dartmouth Law School and Blair, which I thought was Blair. really interesting. So it's really for you know the interest in his mind, and I'm sure he believes it's for the family to move the family forward. And Nate is part of the cog in that wheel to move that family mm -hmm. forward. Now, I know that Dan's father also wants to move the family forward, you know, and Dan is part of that wheel, but they seem to be working together. And I do think that that is the difference between, you know, when you, when you move up class to an owning class family, you know, really other people's desires and wants aren't part of that. You know, they're mm -hmm. not moving together they're just moving kind of in a direction to continue to keep what they have and not lose what they have. So you have to fight really hard to keep what you have if you have it already. And that's why it looks so, so incredibly intense. It's really wild. You know. Yeah, it is. That It's true that Gossip Girl is this extreme situation. I don't know a lot of people who are going to these Ivy League parties to choose between the top four schools and in these kind of bizarro situations. But in our own life, we are, 
you know, choosing, choosing what our next step in life is, and you are kind of looking at, do I want to take on this role? Do I want to pursue this training next? Or, you know, this community college, this four-year school, what do I want to do? Choose a major. We have most people, I guess, in the world have to a lesser to a less extreme extent, we have these choices ahead of us. So thinking- I mean, definitely college. I mean, people really do believe that if you go to college, you will make more money and you will have mm-hmm. a better life. So we've kind of headed on this academic trail in general, maybe not an Ivy League, you know, but I know that I felt like I had no choice about not going or going to college. I don't know what you felt like. Yeah, I mean, I think- I was just, a lot of my decision when I was going to college in 1994 was, that's what everyone's doing. You graduate from high school, here's the next thing. It wasn't like looking at the choices and choosing college is the best thing for me. It was just, okay, we're seniors now. We all get accepted and go to college. And that's what happened. So I was kind of rolling along with life not following a huge passion at that point. Absolutely. I mean, I definitely felt like that was the next step, you know, and I don't even think that my kids had much of a choice, even though I've raised them very differently. I think even society gave them that idea that they were going to go to college next. And they both did. Now they went to college for different reasons, which Uh I think is different than when I went to college. Like my daughter wants to be a dancer and my son wanted a party, you know? So he's like, I want to meet more people and I want to party. And that's why I'm going to college. And I'm like, okay, cool. Just go to an inexpensive state school and you got this. And Uh I didn't sit around kind of worrying how he was doing in it as long as he was passing, you know, but he seemed to like go for that social extension reason. So Uh it's really interesting. And I don't even know why I went to college. I just knew that was the next step and there wasn't much of a choice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to look at. I really pushed um, gap year for my kids. I was really like, you don't have to go just because everyone else is doing that. College is here. It's available and you don't have to do that right now. And neither my older two were not at all interested in any of my persuasive arguments for a gap year. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter went on a gap year and my son didn't, but I think he honestly felt like he would never come back because even after the gap year, they were going to go back to college, right? I mean, even in your mind, it's like, oh, have a gap year, have an experience and you're going to come back to college. You know, in my mind, it was like, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I don't even know if that was my, my vision would kind of be that they went on an entrepreneurial track, like that they realized there was a bigger scope. I'm a little bit, this is, could be a little controversial. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about the idea that that four-year school degree is, is going to get you. <laughs> I think it just buys you some time where you don't actually have to be in the workforce or making a living. And I don't even know if the workforce can take on that many people at one time. Like I think in some ways they stagger them for going, you know, out into college anyway, before they come back in. But I love your idea about an entrepreneurial mind, because I think you and I are definitely heading in an entrepreneurial, like 
direction, that's for sure. You know, but there is some way, I, I definitely know when I was growing up, because I'm, I'm a bit older than you, that nobody really believed, and I don't even know if I believed it myself, that I could head in an entrepreneurial track, that there was a, a definite way to go and a way to like, you know, stop and direct myself in order to be safe. But I see a lot of people still doing that. Like they're still going into healthcare professions. Everybody's going into nursing because they know it's good job security. I went, I became a physician because I knew that I would have job security and enough money and a little bit of respect in a certain way. And definitely the respect that I did not feel like I got when I was young. So part mm -hmm. of the reason why I did that, you know, also I care about people and I love people and I want to help them. Yes. But, but it was, there was so much wrapped into why I made the decision I made. That's for sure. Yeah. So, I, I think that's such an interesting piece is to go back and look at why did we choose this? Why did mm -hmm. we choose the profession we're in? Why did we choose the university where we're at? Why did we choose the gap year that we're doing? Why did I choose it? Was it because of what other people would think, what people were expecting of me, what I wanted? Was it what my friends were doing? Just knowing the why of where you're at is so interesting. And then if we bring it back to Gossip Girl, we can see exactly when they're making that decision based on what others will think, when they're making the decision based on just following what their parents want them to do. Um, all of that. And then bringing it around to sort of another off the, the college track, I was looking at the emotions that we can see. And we see anger, which comes out a lot and kind of like this vicious kind of insulting banter for both the, the females and the males on the show. And just kind of the insult and speaking about people behind their backs, but I don't see a lot of raw emotion of people crying and saying, I'm hurt, I'm upset by this, or it's all coming out like on the field hockey field, <laughs> the girls are playing field hockey, and then it's allowable to be a little physical and to sort of trip each other. And Blair makes a comment like, oh yeah, that was that was on purpose. And Serena said something like, I hope that was not on purpose. And she said, you bet it was. And it's just this idea that instead of connecting with the real emotion, which is I'm hurt that you betrayed me. It's, I have to stay ice cold, show no, no emotion on my face and just get back at you with like revenge and bitterness. Did you notice that? Oh my God. It was like crazy how mean things can get with no feelings behind it. Um, yeah, but I think that that's what we're taught. Like when you think about when you show emotions, especially when you're young, you know, it's stopped at every corner. So either when you're young, it's distracted. When you start to cry, everybody's jiggling you and putting something in your mouth. And then as you get older, nobody wants to look at you when you feel sad or bad. So they're sending up you they're sending you to your room to be isolated while you feel bad until you come back down and look good again, you know, or people are telling you that you're overreacting or you're having too many feelings or that's not so bad. I, I call it like gaslighting that we do to 
each other. But the parental mm -hmm. gaslighting where you're like, oh, you're really not feeling that. Or when you fall on the floor and you cry, you're like, oh, that doesn't really hurt. Get back up, get back up. So I don't know why we're so scared of people showing us you know, how they feel. And I think it's because we weren't allowed to do that ourselves and we can't handle it ourselves. You know, so mm -hmm. basically we were expected to go and do those natural things that we did in order to offload emotions and help us get back to like center and good feelings. You know, we were stopped from doing those basic things. And basically that's like crying, you know, crying and laughing and, you know, and showing a lot of emotions and they were totally stopped. So we don't actually know how to bring that to other people in our lives because it had been stopped very, very early on. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, there's so many societal cues happening that we we don't notice and we're not aware of. And I'm thinking if I was... 12 or 13 watching Gossip Girl, I would just be learning, you know, I would subconsciously be learning like, oh, right. When someone hurts me, I have to think of like a really witty insult for them. And that is the way I get back at somebody or in, instead of processing my feelings, recognizing I feel hurt, I feel betrayed, you know, i I want to talk to you about this instead of sobbing on the floor or, you know, saying I lost my best friend and I missed you. It's just, um, we, we don't see anyone processing any emotions <laughs> and yeah, think, because they're not allowed yeah. to, and they're definitely not allowed to do it with the adults, you know? Mm -hmm. And so every time Blair has a whatever with her mother, she can't process anything with her mother. Her mother shuts it down and really tells her that she's being too much or that she should understand, or it's her responsibility. So it really gets us to turn against each other. So if you can't mm -hmm. do it with the adults in your house, then you're going to like, I always say shit it runs downhill, you know, you're going to like bring it to that next person and see if you could somehow work it out, you know, but you don't got a lot of good modeling about how you're going to process that emotion. And that's because right. people can't handle any feelings at all. And I think it's interesting because you're talking about like what feelings are coming up, you know, and we always say, wow, if you can handle any feeling at all, then you've hit the golden ticket because really you could tell anybody anything and they can show you how upset they are and you could still be there and, and not right. feel like you need to run away. Right. If you can witness someone else feel their grief and witness somebody feel their resentment or their, their hurt, and you can just hold space instead of overriding it like, oh, you'll be fine. Tomorrow will look better. Whatever the placating things that we all say are. We're taking course, on ourselves or decide like, oh, that's our hurt too. Right. Yeah. Right. That's another mm -hmm. way we do it. And it all comes from a good place. We're trying to help that person feel better. So, right. so of course, it makes sense that we say don't worry about it too much or don't get so upset or we want to help someone, but it's just not that helpful to 
hear that. I mean, if they don't process it, they're going to look for other ways to process it elsewhere. You know, so if you're just kind of schluffing it off as like, no, you're fine. And thinking if the crying or the feeling goes away, that the hurt goes away, it never goes away that way. That hurt stays there and gets attached to other things and then needs to be processed again somehow will come back. And it usually comes back as something even bigger as you get older, like I'm not lovable or nobody wants me or they only want me for this. Like it just kind of adds and adds and adds, you know, so it becomes really, really intense. That's so true. And then also on the emotional level, I don't want to have this discussion without touching on the whole mental health uh, is as like mental, your mental health issues are shameful. On the show, the way that um, they realize that Serena's brother has gone through this attempted suicide and he's seeing presumably a psychiatrist he's getting treatment he's in a residential facility and he's recovering and learning about himself and that that has to be a hidden secret from the world and then Blair's idea to get back at Serena is to make it appear in front of the entire crowd and all of the college representatives that Blair, uh, that Serena is receiving treatment as if that would be a horrifying, terrible secret to share. It would ruin um, her future. And it right. seems to think it would. Yeah. Yes, and, and, and she announced it in a way as, as, you know, Serena, congratulations on being clean and sober, which still comes across through the show as that that's very shameful and, I mean, it's just shocking to think how, as a society, we're just kind of promoting these ideas that mental illness or mental health struggles are shameful and have to be kept secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's really, really true. And the addiction stuff as well, you know, kind of like, because I think all of them are kind of addicted to something, you know, whether it be whatever they're using or the money that they spend or whatever, you know, but the addiction that would somehow land you into an Ostroff center or some kind of, you know, inpatient residential facility is so much worse than the addiction that they're dealing with daily. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the mental health stuff is really, you know, it's, it's very secretive and shameful. And I always think of that shame idea, but you know, it's not only the mental health stuff. I mean, everything causes shame, it seems in these worlds, you know, but that one is a, is a particularly it seemed like a really big one. I I don't know. I like Eric and I'm really loving Serena at the moment. You know, I don't know how you feel about them, but they seem to be kind of the most together and the mom is softening a little bit, but you could tell that she still wants to play in that, in that, you know, kind of rich world. That's for sure. How are you feeling about these characters? I mean, they're all, I, I feel like I have sympathy for everyone, but Chuck, (laughs) It was just <laughs> well, he's just Chuck Bass in quotes, you know. <laughs> That's right. Um, but but also I'm frustrated. Like Serena is clearly she's more aware of herself. She's cool. She's a little more, bit more responsible for her actions. But I'm still frustrated. Like why don't you? Why don't you say this? Why don't you respond to Blair? Why don't you? I, I mean, I don't know. I still want her to just be more honest and upfront 
And Mm -hmm. all of this show just feels sneaky. It's like, instead of saying what I really think or what, how I really feel, I'll just override all of that and pretend I'm cool and have everything together because that's the most important thing. So what about you? Definitely. She's definitely going back to Blair a lot. She's like, I need to talk to Blair. I need to work this out with Blair. I need to like go and see Blair. Like she's, it seems like she's really trying, you know, I, she doesn't probably say everything, but she's also got not getting a lot of you know, help in there with Blair. It's not like Blair is sitting around going, all right, tell me what's going on with you. Like, you know, only at the end, she's like, oh, your family must be going through a hard time too. Like everyone can only see their own hard time, you know? And I, I think Serena is putting herself out there in a way and really trying to, you know, I don't know, just trying to like make it as right as she can, you know, in a difficult situation with a lot of pressure. Yeah, I think you're right. She is, but she's, I'm thinking of, again, if I try to go into Serena's mind and guess what she's thinking, she's thinking when I go back, everything will be normal. When Mm -hmm. I go back, Blair and I will still be best friends. And we can see how that, that thinking seems like a innocent thought that she could go back and things could be positive, but why isn't she thinking I've been away for a while things may have changed or Blair may have found out about Nate and I or <laughs> maybe Blair doesn't want to watch movies every weekend uh, and have Sunday morning coffee together because things seem to have changed it seems she just seems a little oblivious to things to keep thinking oh everything will be fine with Blair you're so right about that. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. She definitely came back in as if things would be pretty much the same, especially with Blair. It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, you're totally right about that. The, the, so what would you have done there? Like, you know, how would you have come in? I mean, I think, I think maybe just being more open. If Serena came back, instead of expecting everything will be the way it always has been. Mm. I think if she had come back saying like, I wonder how things will be now. I wonder what it will be like to go back in. I can't wait to see what Blair's doing now. I wonder if Nate will have explained what happened with he and I, if she had just gone in, not with any, like, I'm certain it will all be this way expectations Mm. and gone in kind of open. I'll let's see, you know, how things are now that may have prevented some of this. this. Totally right about that. No, I think that's really brilliant. You know, that she could have come back kind of, you know, like with the preempting of, Oh, things have really changed. I know I left in what's going on, what's going on with you. Like, how can we be together now as opposed to just kind of showing up? Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And of course we have to have drama. It's a TV show, so it's not the (laughs) real world, but hopefully those of us are returning back home or coming to returning to a situation that we think is going to be familiar maybe opening up our, our thinking around that to remember, okay, things might be different now. We might not have the same relationship I've always had with my little brother or my parents, or things could be new with my best friend. 
this time around. Yeah. 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 No, I think that would have been really a, a great thing for her to do when she came back in, you know, and yeah. just, just know that things might be a little bit different and then wait a little bit. Yeah. And then we'd be watching like a really boring show where everyone just has <laughs> heartfelt conversations and there's no scandals. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I like the fact that you're giving these ideas about how something could be different though. And I think, I think that's kind of the purpose of this, that, that people do watch it and, you know, and decide that this is kind of how it is on some level, not completely, but, but we, we get to dig deeper and try to figure out what we're thinking and what we're feeling and how we're going to work on that, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of the purpose of this all. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And those are the great conversations to have with your kids and, and find out for yourself too, right? Like, what am I thinking at this point in my life? What am I expecting that I'm holding on to old expectations and, and resisting? Why can't things go back to the way they were? We all do these, these things in our lives at times. So it's fun to have these conversations and look at it. Yeah. But not only the, why can't things go back, but also to continue the things that have already been as if those are the things that are going to bring you to the future to bring you to success and happiness and whatever it is you think that your family needs to survive that actually the future is evolving and changing all the time. So to, to decide why why we think it's important and is it only just a belief system that we continued from prior beliefs heading on to now or not and do we like that like we get to choose because you were always talking about you know why are we doing this why do you want to go to this school do we like that reason at all like why do I want my kid to go on a gap year what do I expect after like whatever it is we get to keep everything to the light of those questions right Oh, that's a great. Okay. We, sh- we can close up this episode on all those questions, pondering all of that for anyone listening out there, thinking for yourselves how and why you're in the place where you are now in your life and, and what you like about it and what you want to do with the road ahead. <laughs> yeah, I agree. This is the the great time, and especially while you all do this together, to really figure out what you want and what your why is and what you'd like to see happen for you and your family and your connection in the future. Yeah. Uh, Such a good talk. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, it's so great talking with you, Angie. Until next time, everybody. Swing with me.